That's awesome. How do you know him? How do you know your God? In what way do you know your God? Let me, for example, as an eight-year-old boy, I went with my mom and dad down to Memphis, Tennessee to the National Quartet Singing Convention and sitting in that big auditorium, I heard this preacher, <clears throat> Hovey Lister, piano player, was preaching that Sunday morning and man, I got under conviction so heavy. I was just broken before the Lord. And on that day in that auditorium, I don't remember the name of it, I leaned over to my dad and I said, Dad, I need to get Jesus in my heart. So I met him that day as my Savior. How do you know him? I've met him in several other capacities over my life. He was my healer. I've been touched by the Lord. I mean, I shouldn't be here with you. I'm just so grateful for the strength and the healing of the Lord. How have you known him? Tell me some of his names. The great I am. He delivers. He's a rock foundation. Provider, my provision. Great counselor, the best. Father, man, what a, the most intimate. How do you know him? Friend. Sticks closer than a brother, it says. How do you know him? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. Have I told you I'm glad to be at Hamlin? Have I told you? I am. I just want you to know. I'm just so glad. Got to see a whole bunch of guys out yesterday working on some homes and working on church facility outside the landscaping, just working all over the place, giving up their day to serve the families of our church. And I'm just so grateful for you guys that all came and helped with that. It's a treasure to have you do that. We're doing a series, starting a series today. It'll be a four-week series. I really want you to be here, and I really want you to reach out to families around you, young families. Family is under attack in our culture. I don't just beat us up because we all know it, how much things have changed in the last couple of years, even legally through court action about how, how, what is done to attack the family. And we're going to be talking about, for the next few weeks, reclaiming the family. And it will have some very personal uh, dynamics that will be required of you as the father, as the grandfather, as the mother, as the grandmother, and it will have instructions and challenges from Scripture that if you'll take it in and not just be a, a listener of the Word, but be a doer of the Word, I believe you will see great reclamation in your family. Even though you may have had much stolen and broken in your family up until this point. You may come from, you may be in the midst of or had a divorce. You may have had a, a child that did not turn out or go in the way that you thought it should go or he should go. And I don't know how the brokenness happens, but I know that the enemy is really good with brokenness. And he wants to make sure it gets into your family so that it gets damaged, gets hurt, because you know that the, the blessings of the father pass down generationally. You know that, right? Do you remember how many it goes under the blessing of the father? A thousand generations. 
So the impact of reclaiming the family has massive power on the families coming after us. We do know the negative side that the sin of the father, scripture talks about it passing down to the third and the fourth generation, pretty close to our life, has massive impact upon our children, our grandchildren, and our great-grandchildren. So we know that sin has a damaging, destructive effect, but if we can turn that or reclaim this back to God's design of family, we shut off, listen carefully, you can shut off the curse that has, and it may have started with you, it may have come from father or grandfather, and you're living under the, the curse of that, but it can stop in your generation for any man, any woman who would, who would like to reclaim your family. We're gonna learn how to do that over the next few weeks and I, I sure want you to be with us as we do that. How many of you have ever heard of Zig Ziglar? Okay. Zig is a motivational speaker, a businessman. He's been around, he was bigger probably uh, 30, 40 years ago but he's a very famous man, and he, was a, he loved to golf. Zig was a great golfer, and I heard him tell this story one time. He went out, and he was taking his son, who had not been golfing. Uh, he was pretty much a rookie at it. So Zig took him out, and he was pretty impressed at his son's ability, not having done it as much, and Zig was a good golfer. So they went out, and uh, his son hit a drive, and it went straight down as a good high flight, and it was a par four, and then he got down and hit his second shot within 14 foot of the hole. Good. I mean, you're there in two on a four is a, is a good, good thing. If you're me and you're there in 10, it's a good thing. But there, to be there in two is a really good deal. And so Zig also hit his second shot, but his was a little bit closer. He wanted his son so badly to have that birdie putt that he took quite a bit of time helping him line it up and coaching him how to hit that putt in. And he got up to, he approached that ball and 14 feet out he hit it and it went in, hit his first birdie. And so Zig was so excited, he said, in his mind he thought, maybe I ought to mess up my shot just so that I won't, I won't hinder what he's done. I want him to remember this. And he started to go up there to hit and he said, no, I've taught my son to do your best. He said, I don't want to do that. So he got up there and he hit it and it went in. And they were walking away to the next tee box and Zig asked his son, he said, were you, um, were you rooting for me on that last shot? And his son said, Dad, I'm always rooting for you. That's what we need to have in our family. That word, son, daughter, mom, dad, husband, Wife, I'm rooting for you. Don't ever doubt it. I'm on your side. And that's not always true in every home. But it needs to be in our homes. I always root for you. Always looking for ways that we can help our family succeed is in our heart. <clears throat> God, our Father, spoke one time to some parents, all of us actually, about how to seek the best for your family. Now what I'm gonna be talking about right now are foundational truths, and I'm speaking to a current culture that is very confused about what's truth. What is true? 
Did God create, like last Sunday we talked about, did God create us? Like he told Jeremiah the prophet, did God go to your mother's womb and take out his knitting needles and take your DNA and knit you together specifically after his design? Did God do that or did you evolve over millions and billions of years out of pond slime to become what you are? It matters what is truth. It matters what we teach as truth and foundational for our life. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, go to 5 and 6. We're going to be looking at both of those passages this morning. God, our Father, spoke to the parents of Israel at that time how to seek the best for their family. So if you're a dad, you will want to make some notes here. If you're a mom, you're going to want to get a handle on what we're talking about today because you've got to come, if we're going to reclaim it, we've got to go build it back upon something that's solid and unquestionably true. And that's where we're going to start. The first thing I want you to write down if you're taking notes is there is a foundation of truth. God laid down the basics of truth that are given to keep our families safe and headed in the right direction. In Deuteronomy chapter five, I'm not gonna read them. I'll kind of go through them as I go. But the Lord gave us 10 foundational truths of which we are to build our family on. I'm gonna give them a new title just for communication's sake, but it's the same truth throughout. And the first one that I want you to know is this. God says this, keep me, him, first. Keep Yahweh first in your home. Now you can say that with your lips. I can tell, I've always heard this, that people can tell if that's true or not by looking at my calendar, my daily calendar, and my checkbook. Not by what I say, but by what I do. Is God first, truly first, in our life? Because your children follow after, watch this carefully, follow after the God that you serve. Well, you say, I I serve God. Well, if there are things on this planet much more important to your time and to your finances than him, you may want to relook at it. Because our kids don't necessarily always go after what we say, but they almost always go after where, we are, where we're going and what we're doing. So keep God first. He said it like this, have no other gods before me. Then he said, worship nothing else. He says, you shall not make for yourself any graven Im- image in the form of anything of in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. Do you... Wash your car and your boat more often than you worship with your family. What do we, the, he said, have nothing but, and God is not against boats. I think he really likes boats. I know he likes Ford F-150s. I know. I know he does somewhere. But in this situation, what I'm saying is, what are we giving our life to, our energy to, our resources to? Is it primarily something that was formed or shaped by man on the planet or is it toward the God of the creation? That's that's who your children face. That's who your children go after is the God, truly God you worship. 
Third thing he says, do not dishonor God or his name. You shall never misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Never dishonor God or his name. And we know growing up, if you've been in church, that we say you don't ever use Jesus or God in a curse or a slang. But I think this goes much deeper than that. Of course, that's important. That's your language that you always honor God. I'm gonna show you in a moment the Hebrews honored God so much they would never speak his name and would never write his name. And I'll show you what they put in scripture instead of his name in just a moment. Because it was so holy, they would not address it. I think that's pretty cool. And we hear today the name of God all over our business all day long. But it is not in honor of God. Let me tell you another way we may dishonor God. We have a, we have a fish symbol on our car and we're going 60 and a 45. I just stepped on some toes right there and usually mine. <laughs> but we dishonor the name of God when we declare that we are followers of Christ and our attitude at the checkout counter in, at Walmart looks more like a, an angry heathen. We are dishonoring the name of God, right? He says, do not dishonor the name of God. Fourth, observe this Sabbath day. Keep it holy. As the Lord God commanded you, six days you do your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. It's a day to dedicate to the Lord in worship, but the Lord said one time, the Sabbath was not made for me. He said, I made it for you. Because you do your labor, you do your work, you got to to survive on this planet. You got to work hard. Sometimes you work two or three jobs and it's awful. But there comes a day that you're every week you need to set aside time to rest. Sabbath is a big deal to our God. Big. And I'm not talking about just the daily Sabbath. There are other Sabbaths that we'll get into in the fall as I begin to teach about the covenant and the marriage of, and the picture of covenant in marriage and how we are in covenant with God and live that way. But observe the day, keep it on. Now that was all about God and our relationship with him, those first four. Now these next six have to do with how you relate to one another. Pay attention if you want to reclaim your family. First thing, honor your father and your mother. Teenagers, honor your father and your mother. Old people like me, honor your father and your mother. As long as they are alive, and I think even if after they're gone, honor your father and your mother. Speak, speak well of them, treat them well, take care of them in every way possible. And it comes with a promise. It says to those children, if you'll honor your father and mother, he'll lengthen your days on this earth. He'll give you a better way of living if you learn to treat your family, your parents with honor. The next one, never commit murder. You shall not murder. Never have sexual relationship outside of the marriage. That's kind of, we in the 60s, they said that didn't count anymore. And we've believed it since, and it's not true. Because it always ends in, in a broken covenant, but it also ends in a broken families. It always ends in broken hearts. This intimacy of sexual relationships, the Lord says, is to be inside of the marriage covenant. He has not changed those, that plan. 
Then he says, don't steal. Don't take things that are not yours. He said, don't lie. Don't give a false testimony against any of your neighbors. And the last one in relationship, don't crave after what your neighbor has. Thank the Lord. Do you do this? Do you get jealous when people around you prosper? Or do you say, thank you, God, for blessing them? Thank you that they're able to advance and do better. And thanks, God, for your grace in that. Or do you sit back and say, oh, I'm those old neighbors. Wish I had that. They didn't. What are we like? To reclaim your family, we've got to go back to this foundation truth. You can change it. You can even knock it over, I heard this week. Can't you? Some people knocked it over. The commandments somewhere, I can't remember where it was, but somebody came in at night and knocked it. You can knock it over. It doesn't change the standards of God. And if you want to reclaim your family, you've got to come back to these standards. Because God says this is how you do it. Then, the second thing that we do to reclaim our family is to focus your everyday. What do we do with our day-to-day? In the passage of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, you need to look at it, and you should mark this if you're a parent or if you're a grandparent, you need to know about this. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. The Hebrews call this the Shema. It's the passage called in their culture called the Shema. And Shema means pay attention. Listen carefully about what is about to be said. And this begins to be an instruction of the Lord. And he says, we're going to look at how to do this. But would you look at this verse with me? And then I want to break it down word for word in a moment. Love and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. That's the Shema. And then the, I'll go on in just a moment. And the Lord tells you how often and how we're to deal with that passage with our family. But I want us to look at, first of all, you are to love. Let's look at that word. What would you guess that word form is in the scripture? It's the perfect word form, agape. You are to agape, and if I, I like 1 Corinthians 13, when it talks about love and the true picture of what love is, it has some of these words in it. It's patient, it's kind, it never boasts, it's not pride, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's never, it functions out of anger. It keeps, I love this, no record of wrongs. It rejoices in his truth, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. It's that love. And you shall love with the greatest amount of your love, ability that you've been given. You're to put all of that not towards your children, Not towards your grandchildren. Not even towards your husband or your wife. Or your family. You're not to put that. You're to put that full amount of love. On the Lord your God. Then you see the word Lord. That's where I'm talking about. The Jews would not write in Jehovah. That's the name that the Israelites held as the holy name. The proper name of God. They would not speak it. So they put up the word Lord in its place. You shall agape Jehovah your God, and that's Elohim God, means the strong one. You are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, and the heart is not the pump. It is the center of all that you are. 
It is where every decision of your life is made in your heart. That's why the scripture says, above all else, guard your heart. Because you're gonna be making decisions from this place. So we are to love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and the word there has more to do with breath or spirit. With the spirit part of you that will live forever, love him with that part of you. Love him, and then with all your might is with all of your abilities and with all of your possessions and with all of your wealth. You're to take all of that and put all of that strength toward him. I kind of did a mashup <coughs> of those definitions in this verse. Let me read it to you. Sounds something like this. You are to pursue a perfect love for Jehovah Elohim, the strong one. With all your heart, which is the center of all the actions of your life, with your soul, the life that's contained within this body, and with everything that makes up your life and your possessions. That is the Shema. That is what God says I need you to talk about with your children, with your grandchildren. And how often? Well, thank you, Lord, he goes on to tell us. Let's look at how much he tells us. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. These commandments, the 10 I just ran through, and the Shema that I just walked through, I give you today are to be upon your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. How, how much did this instruction say you are to put that into our children? How much? It's, it's all day long, every day. It's the focus of our life. The, the scripture says that is to be how we raise and reclaim our families. Talk about them when you sit at home. I don't know about you, and I'm as guilty as anybody, but I am literally drive, it's driving me crazy about these cell phone things. Have you ever, I mean, it's, it's messing with me. All, you get see a people at dinner, out to dinner in a restaurant. You notice, look, they're sitting like this, and there's people all around. They may be talking to each other. They probably are. But they're just doing this and not looking up. And I love driving and seeing them with that phone like this. I love that. It makes me comfortable. But you may have to set a time when you have dinner together, which I hope you do. Do you understand that a lot of people don't anymore? At least once a week. I prefer once a day. Set aside time. I don't care what you have going, kids, family, mom, dad. This is dinner, and we're going to have dinner together. And I uh, don't want to be Nazi about it, but maybe you ought to say, no phones at the table. Turn them off, put them over. When it's done, you can have a panic attack and run and get them. But until then, we're going to sit here at this table because I want to tell you about the God that I serve and how important it is for us to give our life fully to him. Talk about them when you sit at home. You may have to turn off several devices to do that. The television, the laptop, the iPad and the iPhones and the i-whatever. Talk about them when you're driving. That's what it says when you're on your way. I love some of this new stuff in car. My kids have, have uh, moved into the minivan stage. You know when they have several kids? 
But do you understand now they have TVs and movies in these things? Did you grow up with that? Not me. But you have that. But you could take that opportunity, and I watch my children do this with my grandchildren, that they'll put in Christian music, Christian videos, and they're training, singing together on the, all the time while they're going. There are ways to make this work in your family. And we can make that happen. Talk about them as you lie down at bed. That's one of my always, my favorite times. Is go in with each kid. Spend just a few minutes with them and listen to them. Tell them what they mean to you and what, and pray with them what's going on in your life. Pray with them. Read some scripture with them. Uh, when they lie down. In the morning, before the activities start. It's hard. Vicki and I used to get them up early and did way too much probably of this, but we called it Wisdom Search, and our kids called it Wisbit Church. We'd get them up, and we'd have a little time where we'd read Psalms and Proverbs, and, and we'd pray together before we started the morning. But take some time and invest in your children first thing in the morning. I'm not making this up. This is the instruction of the, of the Shema, what God says, how you're to train your children before breakfast begins. It says, bind them on your wrist. I don't know, I guess that's bracelets now, but get them. You know, WWJD, remember that one? How many had one of those? That's kind of binding it on your, on your, on your wrist. Keep, remind yourself, keep them on your mind. Vicki did something mm, six months ago, a year ago for our grandkids. <clears throat> she put together a little box and put some scripture memory cards in it, the kind that would stick on the mirror in your bathroom. And I think there was some rewards if they did certain ones. And so even as a grandma, she was trying to get our grandchildren to start memorizing scripture one a week. And after a period of time, they would be able to have, a, they would be able to have some kind of rewards for that. Remind that, keep the word of God on the minds of our children. Decorate your home. And again, I have to brag on Vicki. As my kids were going up, everywhere we looked, they were on the wall with some plaque or some picture that had, uh, scripture all around it. Shame, uh, the Shema basically says, put Jesus first. Not in just your words and not just on an hour, an hour and a half on Sunday morning. All the time. You want to reclaim your family? Well, you say, you're going to make me a religious fool. No, I'm going to put you, if you get, go this way, you're going to get your family back on a foundation that will give them life and will protect them from much damage this world will bring upon them if we, can let, if we can help our children do this. The third thing, quickly, put Jesus first. I want to say something that might shock you again. The Bible never teaches us to put our family and our children first in our life. He doesn't tell us to do that. Matthew uh, recorded Jesus saying this, anyone who loves his father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or his daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Why in the world would he say that? Kind of sounds rough, doesn't it? Kind of sounds mean, but actually God knows that who I'm committed to will determine who sets the rules in my life. Who I'm committed to will determine who sets the rules for my life. If I'm committed to my family first, then if they're not happy, then I won't be obeying God. I will try to please them, even if it's 
contrary to what God is doing. I had a little kid in my church one point. Uh, one of those, they call it precocious, but it just means mean and rebellious children. That's the definition of precocious, probably. <laughs> and he was in the Sunday school and causing his normal havoc for the Sunday, disrupting, uh, pulling hair and beating and turning things over and disrespecting and the parent and the teachers had to basically separate him from the rest of the group. Said, you're gonna have to stay over here by yourself until you can get control of yourself. After church, the teachers met with the parents and said, parents, just want you to know that uh, little Mikey had some difficulties today and here's what he was doing and here's how we handled it. And the parents got mad at the teacher at the, in the Sunday school and they stopped, they said, okay, we won't bring Mikey back to church anymore. And it wasn't long before they divorced themselves from the church. Why? Because little Mikey was in charge. Let me just tell you this. You put God first and let little Mikey get in line with that. Whether that's politically correct or not. You do what God, you put God first in your life and you start following after him and expect the same of your children. And let's see if this might turn some things around. There's a lot more instructions here. There's husbands, roll with your wife. It says, be considered as you live with your wife. Men, treat her with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with, of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. You want to pray? You want your prayers to be effective? Take care of your wife. Love her, respect her, protect her, provide for her. And then pray. God says, I'll hear your prayers and I'll answer it. For the wife relating to your husband, it says, you're commanded by God to respect and honor him. Never belittle and never put down. I want to say this one more time since I'm a husband. <clears throat> Wives, don't dishonor your husband. In your eyes and in the way you speak about him, not just when you're with him, but when you're away. When you speak of your husband, you honor him. You lift him up. He needs to be, somebody on this planet needs to believe in us. And it's gotta start with you of the wives. If we are dishonored, you're cutting our legs out from under us. We're not able to function properly. Same way if we don't create protection and safety for you, we're cutting your legs out from under you. So men, you're gonna protect and honor and respect and build up and, and keep them safe. Women, you honor with everything in you. Just It says you honor that husband because we know we're many times not honorable. Sometimes we're a mess. We know that. But the scripture says you honor us as you honor Christ. So you don't even have to look at us, but just look through us to Christ and let there be honor. Because what happens is it makes men rise up to the, that vision of honor you have for us. We desire to do it. So we need you to do that. With children, children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. If you want your life to go well and you want to live long, it says do that. Dads, don't exasperate your children. Last thing, God's promise for this family. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. This is Psalm 37. He will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. 
I want to clear up a statement I heard even this week in a Christian environment. God does not help those who help themselves. That's a, that's a false statement that's being that's spoken all around the place. Because what we say, well, God helps those who help themselves. Show me where that says that. It doesn't. You know who God helps? Those who put him first. Those who honor God above everything else. Those are the ones that get his attention. We gotta teach our children and our family and our own heart that God is good. He cares for us. And God acts on our behalf. Last story before we close. Come on up. Stuntman, you, you probably heard this, uh, set up a, a rope over Niagara Falls. Do you remember that story? A stuntman across. I don't even remember. Maybe one of the big family names of, of the circus. I can't remember. But he put a rope or a, a cable across Niagara Falls. And there was a massive crowd that came to watch this guy walk across that cable across the falls. Massive crowd. So he starts out, and the whole crowd, you can just kind of sense, hold their breath. He goes, and he, makes, and he, just, keep, and he just makes it all the way across. And everybody's going, that's, that's crazy. That's insane. Who would do that? Then he walks back, and everybody gets quiet again to watch. Is he going to fall? And he made it all the way back. Then it gets a little more different difference he brought up a, a wheelbarrow and they hauled it up there and he set it that wheelbarrow out on that cable and then the, the call went out from him to the crowd would any of you be willing to come up here and get in this and I'll push you across the cable as you can imagine most of them kind of took a step back said not me I'm not going except there's this little girl that ran over to the platform that went up and she said, I'll go. And they went up and people were grumbling. Who would let their daughter ride in that thing across that? Who would let them do that? They're crazy. And so they got him up there, that little girl, and he put her in that wheelbarrow and started across. And they were just, nobody was breathing at this point. They had that little baby girl out there going across that Niagara Falls. And they began to ask, oh, didn't you know that was his daughter? The reason that he, she had enough trust that to ride in it, she had a trust in her daddy. Here's what we need to have in our children today. They need to have enough trust in their mama and their daddy who have a trust in their father, who knows that he is good, who knows that he is powerful and unlimited, that has God's best design. And we need some of us and all of us, if we're gonna reclaim our families, we gotta come back to the foundations, lay the, lay the truth Teach the Shema on a daily basis and walk with our children, walk in front of your children in the way that they should go. And you might even have an incredible restoration of your marriage as you begin to reclaim your family. Mark, what do you want me to do with this message today? Parents, if you've not given your heart to the Lord, uh, I would say that's where it starts. Grandparents, if you've not given your heart to the Lord, and you may have really royally messed up with your family. You may have really screwed up. Good news, give your life to the Lord, and the restoration and the reclaiming will begin. It will, because God never fails. His word never fails.
So if you've not given your heart to the Lord, I'm gonna give you that challenge to do that. Mom and dad, if you've failed in leading your family to follow God and you need to turn around, you know it. You know what I'm gonna ask you? Step out, come out here and make an altar somewhere and make this day the day of turning from you for you. Turn back to the ways of the Lord. If you've failed and you're broken and you need some people to just pray with you for restoration, we'll do it. You know who'll be praying with you? Broken people. Because <laughs> we all have. We never, none of us walk through this thing perfectly. But we'll pray for one another and ask God to restore. And if you do not have your family in a church, I'd invite you to come and plant them in this church. I can't think of a better more loving, supportive place for you to raise your family than here. So just what did God say to you today? What do you need to do about it? Would you stand?